Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome back to the Run Dot Down post game show here with the, some preseason action. Um, Knicks win versus the Celtics. <laughs> um, with a score of. Someone help me out real quick. I just lost the score. 107 to one or one, 114 to 107. There we go. So Knicks take care of business in their first preseason game. Um, you know, it's not really much to really go about. Um, but before we get started, I do have to say that today's show is brought to you by one bet online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right. So, next preseason action. Do we go straight into the overreactions or do we just talk about how, you know, it's good to have some continuity for the first time in some a long time i would say um i'm ready to overreact so i feel like schwinn is always the one who's forced to be like negative and like rant so i'm just gonna let schwinn be positive and be like no anyone who overreacts is a bitch and then i'll be the bitch (laughs) (laughs) if you're gonna like the thing is like obviously the sims thing is just stupid like it just actually no point to it but i also just think like this is more of like Tibbs being weird and being like, well, Hart's not playing. So like, I have to play Sims today at the four because there's no other options because I will never play Nathan Knight. I will never play Isaiah Roby. I'll never play these guys in actual NBA minutes. Therefore, I'm not I'll never play a top in. I just, it's, it's stupid. Why, but why, why couldn't RJ just try? Because, because we need, we have to have a nine man rotation. And unfortunately, Hart was not playing today. And therefore, in the world, as Tib sees it, in any event where Josh Hart does not play, Jericho Sims will play back up for a minute. So if you want to get pissed about that in advance, go for it. Like, I'm a, I'm a thousand percent sure that's going to happen. Uh, but like, how, whole, how, how, how confident are you that we're not going to, that we're not being set up to start the season with a 10 man rotation in Jericho very, Sims? Very, 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 very confident. Like, I don't think you can pay these guys what you're paying them. And you can't, in all likelihood, they're going to play quick. They're going to pay quickly. You can't, you just can't do it. Like, it's just not going to, it's not going to happen. And if anything, like, it's, again, this is just, just, this is just to me more weird Tibbs, like, very rigid way of thinking. So what this actually told me more than anything is that he thinks, like, Josh Hart will be the four. He would be the four. When him and RJ play together, it will not be RJ. Josh Hart will be the four. Like that's that's what I took from it, but um, yeah, I mean, look, I think 
there's really not much to be said about those lineups because there's there's nothing to learn from them. Like they're not even that good defensively on top. They're not even that good at rebounding, which is more annoying. Um, but like there's no spacing. There's nothing to that unit that is ever going to work like over a larger sample, which you already saw last year. Um, and like the thing that made it even more insane was like he, the, the entire third quarter, right. was, it was like quickly DiVincenzo, Grimes, Hartenstein, or Mitch, sorry, and Sims, then Hartenstein came in for Mitch a little later. But, like, what do you think the collective usage of that group is? Like, is it, like, 55? Is it 60? Like, because the only guy that's ever posted a plus 20 usage season in that entire lineup is quickly. It's the only one. Nobody else has. So, like, I was just kind of, like, I guess it's preseason, so I'm just not going to be miserable on it. But I was like, I'm pretty sure this is, like, this makes like this is not possible um but i think what it if there was something to be taken from like whatever the hell that unit was i would say that quickly definitely seems stronger um and to me looks a little bit more confident with his handle but like again not only could you not take anything from that lineup you're also going to get anything out of the fucking lineup the celtics put out there today because it was just like oh you just have a bunch of creative player creative players like and if i gotta hear wally if i hear wally and and breen talk one more second of the season about delano fucking banton i might might oh look at this guy just doesn't have a chance and now he's taking his opportunity and look at how it's like he came from last chance you like give me a break he trusts him in pick and roll i'm like yeah he trusts him in pick and roll because like Tatum, Brown, Drew Holiday, Derek White are all out. So somebody has to run pick and rolls. I, it was just, it was a, it was a stupid game. The biggest thing for me is everybody looked pretty fit. Um, nobody got hurt that we know of anyway. Mitch looks definitely like he added a little bit more weight. I think. Um, Randall was like, I mean, not again. It's just so dumb to like take too much trauma. But I like, re- I actually really liked how he played, especially at the start of the game. He was not. He didn't even look to shoot, really. He was like yeah. almost like force feeding the ball to Rant, to RJ and Brunson and letting them do stuff. And he was super like we've talked about this all the time, right? Like, if there was ever a lineup that like Julius Randle would look at before he entered enter the game and would just be like, I'm not gonna try today. I'm not gonna try on defense today. This would have been the lineup. Cause he would have looked across the floor and been like, Who is this guy guarding me? I have no idea who he is. I've never seen him before on the floor. Uh, and he didn't. He was actually like executing the scheme to like a really fo- like it was just such to such a f- level of focus and detail that I, I don't think we've seen from him since that uh, all, like his 2020 2021 season. And I was pretty impressed by that. And then I also just thought like quickly and RJ made good reads off dribble penetration that like they're not exemplary plays really, but they're just the things that you need to you want to see them continue to do um and i thought that was good like would i have liked if rj went better shot better than one six from the field sure would i've liked a variety of different things yeah but i thought overall like you know i was as annoyed with the sims artenstein mitch minutes as anybody but yeah i thought preseason wise sure it was fine game one i'll take it can we it's very encouraging to see rj hit all those free throws i will say that um the form looks much improved i will say um and i know that was a big thing over the summer of like his whole shooting form 
being changed and whatnot. It seems to have impacted his free throws at the very least, it seems. Um, And hopefully that's something that carries over into the regular season, because I think that's something that was annoyed, annoying for fans that he left points um, at various stages where whether it was layups or at the free throw line. So, you know, hopefully that's something that just picks up and continues to carry over. For me with RJ, it's just always going to come down to how willing he is to embrace the role that the Knicks are going to ask him to play. Because unless he makes like a legit, legit, legit leap as a scorer, like, because like he hasn't just been average as a scorer, like the way some Knicks fans like to paint it. He's been not good. <laughs> like he he's not, he's just not good at putting the ball in the basket. And so... I mean, a leap from him is going to take him to, you know, average above average. The Knicks need him to do the things that he did tonight in the non-scoring areas of the game. And that's what was most impressive to me. And like, who cares about single game preseason plus minus, but he led the game in individual plus minus. Like, and I actually thought that that was reflected by what we saw on the court, despite him going one for six. Like he almost had like a weird quickly one for six game, like the games we saw quickly second year because he was good at all the he was moving off the ball he made one backdoor cut where I think it was Hardenstein found him on on the cut and then he relocated uh at the end of the half when quickly found him in the corner those types of movements are things RJ frankly didn't do much last season um he was more active on the defensive glass and I think the reason he's becoming more active on the defensive glass is he's starting to realize that that is his only chance of getting advantages in transition because Tibbs doesn't want them running in transition. So RJ has to take it on himself and be like, okay, I'm going to grab the ball and go. Like that is his chance to get out besides when quickly does it for him. Like quickly and RJ are the only two who really grab the ball and go. Randall and Brunson are very plotting. Mitch grabs the rebound, gives it to Brunson. Then we walk the ball up the court. Like we're a very slow team, except specifically when RJ and Randall get the rebounds. And I thought RJ did a good job of creating advantages for the offense off some of those rebounds. I thought he was fine defensively. He got lost once early, but like whatever preseason. The point is, is that if RJ is going to bounce back from the regular season he had last season, it's not going to be him making this like scoring leap that people want from him. It's going to be him doing these other things. And I thought this was an incredibly encouraging game from him on, on, on those fronts. Um, just to mention quickly, I see, no pun intended there, um, I see that we have some comments rolling in. Just so you guys know, we do have Super Chats available. So if you guys want to contribute to that and get your comment highlighted, of course, you can definitely do that. Um, speaking of quickly, and I, I, again, I didn't mean to make that pun earlier, but once again, encouraging from him, 21 points in 22 minutes. Um, three assists, three steals. As Schwinn said, he definitely looks stronger. I think that's something that we all noticed, especially from the the training camp footage that we saw. Um, that will definitely help him with, you know, getting into the paint and finishing as well as he did last year, maybe even improving upon that. Um, and also will help him defensively, I think. And um, yeah, he just looked overall, he looked like he's in midseason form. And, you know, hopefully we can get rid of those awful starts to the regular season that he usually has. And he can start the season off super strong, um, especially for that six man of the year campaign, which he is going for revenge for this year. So, yeah, six man of the year who is uh, such a valuable contributor to his team that he's no longer on it. Um, so, Malcolm <laughs> Brogdon for robbing us of that award it is so unbelievably ridiculous and like 
whoever their six man is, is just going to fill in and do the same thing. Like whoever the Celtics six man is, they're fa- probably Peyton Pritchard. They're already starting the like Pritchard campaign. Like in Pritchard, by the way, I don't mean that as hand on Pritchard. I actually thought he was really good tonight. Um, I thought I he was good, good, but I, I, think, I thought he was good, but it's like the same thing where I'm like, it's like the band. It's he, okay. He's obviously better than fucking Delano Banton, but it's the kind of thing where I'm like, okay, these guys look really good tonight because none of your dudes are playing and they have to take shots. So they get these reps. They're never going to get otherwise. And they put up numbers. Like I think Pritchard is good because one, he can shoot, which Banton obviously cannot shoot. Um, And he's just like a more skilled player overall, but it's in terms of like, he will be Brogdon because he'll just come off the bench and be like, all right, I'm going to get buckets. And that's what I do. And then he'll have like, to me, he's not a multiplier the way that a guy like quickly is, or, you know, pick one of these kind of guards, right? Like Melton is another one or whatever, where yeah, they don't give you the value with other creators because they don't provide, like it's not like Pritchard's out there locking anybody up or making awesome stunts on defense and like doing things like he's a good player, but um, yeah, if, if, if that six man campaign picks off, I might just, like I, I might lose it. That, I it's going. Eat. It's going to. Like <laughs> it's going to. Uh, and I wasn't oh, saying deal four years, thirty million. <laughs> no, I mean it is a good deal. Like the Celtics. That's like part of the reason. That's part of the reason why the Celtics are annoying. They just like keep finding these deals. Like they're they're a well run team. Um, I thought Pritchard was fine. He's just he's just not quickly like that. Also, I, I was surprised at Pritchard's sort of feistiness defensively. Like, I assumed he would be a sieve. Maybe that's kind of racist of me, but, like, I assumed he would just be, like, a walkover, and I actually thought that he was, like, he was fighting over screens. Like, he was, like, kind of tough to screen. He was doing that thing where he kind of hopped forward early, and Mitch and Hardenstein couldn't get a body on him. Um, He was kind of sneaking around them. I don't know. I just I thought he played a really good game, Um, but the point is is that he's about to prove how big a joke the Brogdon Six Man of the Year award really was because he's just going to hop in and replicate Brogdon's production quickly is irreplaceable on the Knicks. And like people have been like, Oh, they brought in DiVincenzo to replace quickly. Like, good luck with that. Like seriously, like DiVincenzo is fine tonight. He's a good player, but they only have one quickly. And I, I, I keep fearing that the Knicks, there's only one way that these Knicks fans are going to find that out. Um, and I hope we never have to see that. Yeah. I hope so too. Um, how do we feel about um, DiVincenzo's debut? 10 points, seven boards. We can't really make, I I, I don't, I, I don't want to say we can't make much of it, but like, it's so hard to like, I guess really like contextualize his production because of the lineup that he was in. Um, because like he mainly shared his minutes with like Sims and like another rim running center. So it's really hard to like gauge what he'll do, but like we kind of can see what he and quickly will be capable of. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of lineups that, you know, Bibbs throws those two in. Um, if, like, you, you know, uh, if, you, if, if you're out there and you listen to Strickland Pods, one of the things that Schwinn actually said, um, I don't know if it was weeks, months ago now, it all sh- fucking blends together the, these days. He said that DiVincenzo isn't going to come, like DiVincenzo's steal rates are going to stay on the Knicks. Like the Knicks are under Tibbs are typically pretty uh they don't gamble very much and so if you look at the individual steal and block rates they're actually kind of suppressed nobody really gets a lot of steals Divincenzo is elite and I think one thing I saw tonight is that 
he's really good at getting steals without gambling. And I think Tibbs is going to give him a bit longer leash than the average player. So we're going to get more live ball turnovers when he's on the court, which is incredibly valuable. And also he's a really good rebounder for someone his size, which is great to pair with quickly. And then the last thing I'll say before I send it over to Schwinn is that I think it was clear he got way more, he got, he was just very much more comfortable the second he just stopped thinking and just started firing away. Like he very clearly early on was like, okay, I'm not going to come in and just start launching threes. And it kind of was just like awkward. And it, I don't know. He, he took some weird shots inside the arc and he passed up on some way better shots. And then in the second shot, he was just shooting off the catcher. He was pumping side dribbling and shooting. And all of a sudden, boom, he just looked like the player we all expected him to be. Um, it was a slow start, but on the whole, I just, it was almost exactly what I expected from him. Um, yeah, I, I thought like the first thing he did when he came in the game, I forgot who got the offensive rebound. It might've been Mitch or whoever it was. They kicked it out to DiVincenzo. He was open above the break and he instead like swung it to RJ in the corner, which is fine. Like that's a nice extra pass. And like, it's your first kind of, uh, you know, it's a, like you mentioned, like it, he doesn't want to come in and just start like launching threes. But that said, like, you know, hopefully RJ shoots a lot better from three this year. I want you, the 40% fucking three-point shooter, to take that shot. Like, you need to take that shot, and you need to not swing it, swing it in the corner to RJ, who last year shot, what, 32% from three. Like, th- those are the shots that he needs to take, and it was good to see him in the second half take those shots. And they didn't, like, they didn't show it on the broadcast, but I think he hit one, and while he was saying, like, Quick was kind of like like applauding him for doing it. And and it just, he needs to take those shots because those shots with the way we play and the way teams guard us, they're going to be there for him. And if he doesn't take them, then it kind of like doesn't help us in any way. So, um, you know, it was good to see that part of it. And like, it was nice to see, like you could see how him and quickly will, make sense together that's like really one of my main takeaways from this was as weird as the lineups they were in were you can see the way those two will complement each other's games because it's quickly like an elite primary initiator i don't think so but he's a pretty good one off the bench. i mean he's probably the best one that exists off the bench in the nba or at least he's in like that that, that conversation um and DiVincenzo is not that, but if you can get into the paint and then spray it out to him, now he can make plays out of that situation, be it just shoot the ball or drive into the paint and make another pass or whatever. The one thing that was also very obvious with him uh, was, and I saw a lot of Golden State fans mention this, like, yeah, I love the guy, but we'll not miss some of his attempts at the rim. And boy, I saw that. (laughs) I saw that tonight. (laughs) I was like, what the hell are some of these shots he's putting up here? Um, but like, if that is the issue with your ninth guy, then that's a fine issue. issue. And, and I'll make one final comparison. They're not exactly like for like players at all, but I think in the same way that like getting Derek white, who was probably not appreciated or, you know, he's kind of overtaxed in a lot of ways in San Antonio, um, DiVincenzo was kind of overtaxed last year in Golden State, to be honest, even though he played with Steph, obviously. But, like, especially in the playoffs when they needed another creator, he couldn't really do it. And it was like, okay, well, is that really a DiVincenzo issue or is that 
more like, why are you asking DiVincenzo to do this? And, you know, hopefully we get to the playoffs and hopefully when we're there quickly and Randall play better than they did last year offensively. But like in the, in those, in that scenario, you can definitely see what a guy like that brings to you. He gives you the versatility, right. To kind of like play different types of lineups without taking too much off the table. And um, I was like, I don't know. Did we, we got, we did get the, uh, the quick DiVincenzo Grimes lineup in the third, which was nice to see. Um, I think Grimes is trying to like big, like Grimes definitely looked more where DiVincenzo just looked like, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Grimes looked like I, I worked on some stuff and I kind of want to show it, but like, I don't know when I should. Uh, he had that one sequence where he kept trying to take, what was it? Nemius Keita off the dribble. And he was just like was, stonewalling him. Yeah. Then he like jumped in the air and threw some ridiculous pass. And I was like, what is this? Like, don't do that again. That was crazy. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, like I'm just, I, I really just think DiVincenzo is going to be a really solid addition to his team. And honestly, I'm pretty excited with how he pairs with like everybody. Like he should fit off of any realistic combination of players we'll throw out there. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm just like pretty encouraged by what I saw. And the fact that he didn't even play that well tonight is maybe even more encouraging than that. And like, what, how many rebounds did you say you ended up with? Seven? Seven. Yeah. Like, this is the, like, me and Jeff, we talked about this when that, when like kind of the trade OB bring DiVincenzo thing came out was like, you know, if you can have whatever concerns you have about the talent of the players and what are we doing above, but like you really cannot tell me we're going to be a worse rebounding team because of that. Like that, it's just not realistic. Um, defensively, way, I'm, not, I'm not disputing the point. He only had three rebounds tonight, but sorry, okay. yeah, sorry, yeah. Sam, okay. but uh, Sims had seven. Yeah, Sam can't count. Sorry, no, the box <laughs> score just the box score on NBA.com is just so weird. What the hell? <laughs> uh, but either way, if you had three rebounds, that's still whatever to me. Um, We've seen Obi top in it. I think Obi had like two yesterday in preseason. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, the, the rebounding thing to me is just like never been a concern. I think the defensive stuff, where if you just like watch some of his technique getting over screens, you could really see like what he adds there. And te- you could, there was already stuff where like they would put quickly on Pritchard. But then when DiVincenzo was in the game, the Celtics love to run screens with their other guards and perimeter players. So they would set a screen. And um, like, like in if he was on with DiVincenzo, they would just switch it, and then DiVincenzo would guard Pritchard. And like, you know, Pritchard's a good player; he got points. But I just thought the fact that they're already comfortable doing that said quite a bit to me. Um, so I'm pretty excited for this addition how he fits in with the team. Uh, Jeff, what do you think about this one question here? This is from Christopher Vieira. I don't know if you saw anything tonight, but in what ways do y'all see us evolving as an offense this season? Will Grimes be allowed to be more involved this year? Um, I think Grimes is pretty capped in what his quote-unquote involvement can be, which is unfortunate. I know there are people – like, the thing is, is the Knicks aren't really in a place where they can be like, okay, we're going to, like – we're going to shift things so that Grimes gets more on-ball touches. Like, we know that's not how Tibbs thinks, first of all, but I'm not sure that's how he should think. Like – put RJ aside, Randall and Brunson are just so clearly the hubs. They have to be the hubs. Um, And then if you are trying to maximize that unit, it makes more sense to 
have RJ be third in line and have Grimes be full time off ball than it does to have Grimes be third in line and RJ like just sort of out there. Like Grimes is clearly the better spacer. Um, And so as we saw tonight, he's kind of at the mercy of how defenses are playing off the ball, how liberal Brunson, Randall and RJ are being with their kickouts. And he's got a fire when he gets the chances. And so I don't think he got the touches that most people would want to see from him in the first half. But I do think that with the limited touches he did get, he was a little passive. Um, RJ especially was great at the at, at making kickouts on drives and just making rim reads. And the ball ended up in Grimes' hand, Grimes' hands on the perimeter multiple times, and he was just kind of hesitant. And the times that he did shoot, he was a bit quick with it too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, how many shots did he take in the first half? Because I feel like he just didn't take that many, right? I don't know. There's no way it might have been like two. But like yeah. they're like really quick shots, which I yeah. hate um, no, no, I know what you mean. Um, but I just think that self-awareness is really key here. And whether it's a coach or whether it's, you know, someone close to him, somebody has to sit him down and be like, dude, like your role in this offense is moving off the ball and shooting off the catch or attacking closeouts. Well, there, there was one play in the, yeah, in the first half where Randall was like, he like posted up on the opposite wing. And RJ did that that cut that Tibbs is obsessed with, like where he cuts through the lane. Yeah. And Grimes has to swing out to the top there because that's where the pass is for Randall. Mm-hmm. And you could see Randall was like desperately like do like doing like crazy Randall stuff to try and get him to move. And then Grimes finally moved late. But like it was by that time they could like Randall couldn't get the pass to him. And I think he ended up swinging it back to RJ for a shot or whatever it was. It was, uh, uh, it was, it was, he got it to RJ really late. And then Brain said, RJ is going to have to put one up. And then he swung it to McBride and McBride, uh, it was a yeah. shot clock violation. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah. that, that was, that was one where I'm like, I know there will be people that look at that play and be like, what is Julius doing? He's got to get moved the ball. But I'm like, no, I think that's on Grimes. I think Randall was trying to get him the ball and mm-hmm. Grimes just has to come up there. Like he has to create the angle. Like I get that kind of, his role in a lot of ways is like go be a corner three floor spacer, but like there's a little bit of leeway within that role, and there's a little bit of like understanding. You got to find the space. Sometimes you got to find the spaces, and um, you know, like I think quickly does a much better job of that than him. Not that Grimes is awful, but that was just one that stood out to me. Gr- Brunson's pretty good at that. Uh, even RJ, like, like he if you combined Grimes' shooting with RJ's like you know, a uh, habit of finding space to make himself available. Yep. He'd probably be like the most highest volume three point shooter in the league. But um, Grimes just has to like want the ball. Like he's got to want to take those shots more and not just feel like he, like it's, it's, he has to be aggressive in that role. That's like what he has to do. He has to be, there was one, right. Where McBride kicked, drove baseline, kicked it to him in the corner. And like, I understood it would have been a contested three. But, like, you've got to be willing to take that shot. Instead, he drove again, and then I think he, like, either traveled – he double dribbled. This is what he did. He double dribbled in the paint as he was trying to get the ball to McBride. And it's like, dude, there's – no like, first of all, a three-point shot for you – like, these are, this is something he has to understand. A three-point shot for him is probably, especially from the corner, is one of the highest-value shots we can generate in our offense. It is one of the highest-value shots you can generate in the offense. So he has to take that. I don't care, like – if he's if he's not feeling it or 
I, none, none of those reasons matter. Like, just take the fucking shot. Like, that, because you're only going to get the ball like seven times a game anyway. So you might as well just fucking launch it. Um, but yeah, like, I'm not that, I'm not that worried about it, but it's definitely something to like, you got to keep an eye on it because, you know, he talked all summer, right? Or like, at least in, in training camp about coaches are encouraging him to be more aggressive, be more aggressive. And I get like some of that last year we saw, right? Where he was like attacking closeouts often at the expense of, opportunities to catch and shoot from three he's got to take more of those catch and shoot threes he's got to no find the balance yeah yeah 100 especially like dude you're playing in a lineup with mitchell robinson and jericho sims there's nothing inside there there's no space in there just launch the three buddy just launch the three i, I did think it was funny that his one successful attack of a closeout was him getting to the basket having a layup and then doing like a crazy pass to Hardenstein under the hoop and it was like yep we're we're back you know like he he loves that more than anyone i've ever seen it's like dude they they're not even expecting you to go up man just just, just oh take my the gosh layup. the way the way people were sitting on it for like half of the season after yeah. he, was, he was getting everybody with it in the first half it was just like oh my god yeah i mean it's just it's it's not the same as rj because grimes was better in his role last season than RJ was, but it is similar in the sense of like, he just needs to accept the limitations of his role. And that stinks. Like that's probably a really hard thing to do, but like, look, Contavious Caldwell Pope has made a career out of it. Like you, it's you can be a really good player and not have a quote unquote bag. I know everybody wants that. And, you know, maybe Grimes sees that for himself, but he is the I. If you're not going to be a star shooting guard, if you're not going to be Donovan Mitchell, he is the ideal profile for a shooting guard next to a star. Like you cannot. And this goes with you know the, this next question Chris asked because I I tweeted earlier in response to the fake starting lineup rumors that like the Knicks started with those already. What was that about? What was that about? That was so weird. I'm like preseason. We're getting started already. But. uh you know, I tweeted that I thought it would be illogical for the Knicks to consider quickly in the starting lineup. And like, I get it. Like, trust me, I get it. You know, people on here are probably sick of hearing me talk about quickly. Like, I think you could make the argument that the starting lineup with quickly would be better than the starting lineup with Grimes. But the rest of the minutes would take such a hit because of Quickly's advantage in the things they need when Brunson's not on the court. Um and then also, in my opinion, since the starting lineup has Mitch, who is like their safety net, the guy that he's the guy who covers for people. Yes, having both Quickly and Mitch on the court at the same time is like awesome because then you have two of those guys who are just constantly looking to fix your team's defensive errors. But in my opinion, it's actually more valuable to pair a guy like Grimes with Mitch defensively, who's elite on the ball, because then you have like, two different kinds of impacts defensively. And I feel like the ceiling is higher. And I think that's really important to have next to Brunson because Tibbs doesn't like to switch when Brunson's in the game. So like what the things quickly does really well, just sort of like he should either be the starting point guard or he should be your backup point guard. Like I, I don't, I do think because he's really good and he's kind of a Swiss army army knife, he can make playing shooting guard next to Brunson work. But I think Grimes is just a much more natural fit, and the team's overall ceiling is better as currently constructed. Um, to add on that, one thing I like about like we can all everybody has their own thoughts about like how Tibbs chooses to develop 
players, young players, whatever. Um, I have no idea if this is like goes through his brain or not. I assume it does. Like I, as annoying as some of the things he does are, I, I genuinely feel like he's pretty, I think he actually understands, uh, like he definitely understands basketball at a very high level. He just has very like, there's just some shit you can't take out of him. Like he was just Shout out his 90s. plus minus comments about yeah. Evan Fournier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he just, he's, he was on those nineties Knicks benches for so long that he's just kind of got like some weird nineties uh, habits that'll never leave him. But like, I think quickly has benefited a lot from him sticking with him as the backup in the sense of like, he gets to run the show for points of the game. He gets to run the show I think that's been really good for his development as a ball handler, for a decision maker, as a scorer, whatever. Um, and I think when you take that from him and you put him with the starters, it I don't know if that's really that valuable in addition to this, in addition to the reasons that Jeff gave. And like, you know, if you play him like last year when he played with Brunson and Randall, we saw his usage drop like to a significant level playing those lineups because they just don't like it, it just doesn't happen for him. I mean, when he played with all three of those guys, Brunson, Randall, and RJ, I mean, they only played 145 minutes together, I believe, but like his usage dropped to 13.2. So um, I don't know. It's just something to like definitely consider there where, you know, is that really the most optimal thing for him? Is it the most optimal thing for your team? Um, I I don't, I don't really think so. Like, I, I think that's something where, it would make the starting lineup better potentially with him instead of Grimes. But like, if it's all of them, uh, like if, if it's, if it's, is it helping you as much as you think it will over a 48 minute game? I, I don't think so. Um, and by the way, he played 655 minutes with just with Brunson and Randall on the floor. Um, and he had a 50 or sorry, he had a 17.2 usage in those minutes. Last year, he was at just under 21 usage for the season. And when he played, in, if you take out the, the RJ sample, uh, so he played 509 minutes with Brunson and Arandall where RJ wasn't on the floor, and his usage was 15.1. So, um, like, it's, he's just not going to get the touches that, that make sense for him. And it just takes away from, like, as you put it, Jeff, like, it takes away from all the stuff with the bench that makes the bench so effective. So like, you know, I remember when he wouldn't start quickly with when Alfred Payton was here, which I still think was like incredibly stupid. But um, one of the reasons why at least like you could kind of live with it were the bench was awesome and they were just blitzing teams. So you're like, well, if we just that like neutral with the starters, that might make it worth it. But now you have a starting lineup that's genuinely been good, right? Like the starting lineup that they came to last year was genuinely good so now you're not just winning the starters or you're not just winning your bench minutes you're winning your starters minutes too it's a part of the reason why i think the knicks are super underrated regular season team because people don't respect their top end talent and they undervalue how much it matters that they have nine dudes that are like steady nba players so uh and i think quickly kind of coming off the bench and you know he comes off the bench he runs the show then you mix and match him with starters they come back in and so you get those like fun Brunson and quickly lineups and Brunson quickly grimes or whatever. And uh, I just think that elevates your team over 40 minutes more than starting him would. It also just gives him a level of consistency, I guess. Um, and like, he knows what to expect. 
Um, one thing that we always complained about was like him, like getting pulled when he like he knew when he was gonna get pulled. So like I guess now that like he's able to run the show, like those instances of him getting pulled, like they don't weigh on him anymore because like he knows that he has full control of of the bench now. Like that was something that we all speculated with something that kind of um led to his inconsistencies was like, you know, he knows he's gonna get pulled. So like he has to play like very like timid way of basketball instead of, you know, being able to just do what he does best and now that he has full control of the bench, you're able to see like his full capabilities. Um, so yeah, I, I just want to say that I do. I do think that um, we have to monitor like how much he progresses on offense going forward, because while obviously he does do a lot of really good things offensively, most of his impact currently, or at least the last few seasons, comes on the other side of the court. Um. Like, for example, if you compare him playing with uh, Brunson, Grimes, Randall, and Mitch versus RJ playing with those four, the net ratings are pretty similar, but the Knicks actually score like 14 more points per 100 when RJ's on the court than quickly is on the court, which just is kind of shocking for both ways, like how big the defense of impact is. is. But my point is, is that Quickly's offense, it, he struggles sometimes creating the types of possessions that Tibbs wants. Like he wants advantages created and he's not really good at like just dusting guys off the dribble and forcing help. And so a lot of times you'll see those possessions where he tries to break the defense down, fails, resets, gets a running head start, you know, like, and I don't, and the, I guess my point is, is that if, if a leap doesn't really come on that side of the ball, we could reach a point where he's just kind of similar to Grimes where he's his best self is being like a really high impact utility player who plays off of other really good offensive players. And in that case, you kind of do want him in the starting lineup because he's a high impact player who has proven he meshes well with high use. He meshes well with high usage players. And you know that, okay, well, we don't really want him to have a high usage. Like when you brought up his 17% usage with Brunson and uh, Randall on the court, but like, you know, maybe Quickly's actualized best self is a more middling usage player. It's possible that that's what he ends up being. Yeah, I mean, it could be. Uh, I, I still think a lot of that is like, I don't want to say it's noise, but it's, I don't know how many guys are running with like a bench unit where nobody else could create a shot, basically. And our booing it to like an elite offensive level and, um, and, he, and he played a lot with sims at the four last year right like... and it's like so i don't really know what to do with any of that sample and um yeah like i just to me it's just a weird it's it seems more like a quirk although i've kind of come around to the idea that i just think he's probably never going to be like an all-star type of dude which is fine because i think what he is is a guy who has all-star type impact when he plays with like your more like the traditional all-star types that are like offensive hubs and when he can play off those guys um and kind of fill in the gaps for the team on both ends of the floor that's when you really get the highest level of what he is as a player um so i'm not yeah i'm not really concerned about starting the changing the starting lineup anyway um right now this is from walt clyde fraser 
Is the Hartenstein three-point experiment worth pursuing again? If it happened, it would open up, an, open up a litany of possibilities on offense, but outside the end of tenure with LAC, it seems like a mir- mirage. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's BS. Like, I, I just don't. He didn't even t- he didn't even attempt that much in in LA either, right? Like no, he took like he got hot at the very end of the year on like a pretty small sample. His threes today looked pretty bad. Uh, he did not look. It looked like he wanted to take them, but nobody else cared that he was taking them. Which is like the really big thing with three point shooting is you can take a high volume, but if, if no one respects it, it doesn't really it doesn't matter. matter. Right? It's like that's the RJ thing that we saw and Hart even in the playoffs last year where it was like. Yeah, they're just gonna leave this guy open, and they'll be like, "Fine, shoot the three. Uh, they'll do what they did. like. Who was the guy in the on the Celtics side that we were doing that with? Lamar Stevens. Like, yeah, dude, we just saw you in the playoffs, buddy. Launch away. Like, you know, nothing's <laughs> changed in the last four months, buddy. Like, you're still terrible at shooting. Um, yeah, functional spacing is really interesting because, like, like Pascal Siakam at the five, teams just don't ignore him, and like the numbers say that maybe you should. Like, and I don't mean that as a diss to Siakam. He's a really good player um, and he's a fine shooter. I know he's had like, you know, years where he shot like 31 and 32, but then he's had years where he shot higher and fine. But, you know, when he's playing center and especially on some of those Raptors teams that are really good, the sometimes the best you can do is giving Siakam like an open, a weird open three. And for whatever reason, he gets closeouts all the time. Um, and RJ is kind of the opposite. Like RJ doesn't get that respect at all. And teams kind of, it's, it's almost like the book is out. Like, okay, like just leave him alone. And until he starts knocking those down, that that's going to hurt the rest of the offense, you know, when he's on the court and Hardenstein's the same way. Um, just to get back to the question, I don't think we'll ever see it. I don't think Tibbs wants to see it. I'm personally much more interested in seeing him get some opportunities as a hub at the top of the key like just making some of those passes we see to Deuce and to Quickly and RJ, having them like just give Quickly and RJ a break, man. Like Schwinn was just talking about it. Like what what are Quickly and RJ supposed to do on the court with DiVincenzo and Hart and Hardenstein? If Hardenstein's never allowed to create, it's literally just Quickly and Hart having to create everything from thin air. And that's like, that's just such a taxing burden on two guys who are pretty young and just, I don't know. And and honestly, to credit Quick and RJ tonight for what we saw, like they actually created some decent threes for Grimes and others that like just didn't get cashed. But I I was like, wow, I can't believe that happened uh, considering this spacing. Uh, can I read to you? Tibbs had a, a quote today. Oh boy, Tibbs on the Toppins. Obi's probably a little bit more athletic, but Jacob's pretty athletic as well. Obi's probably a little more gifted right now, further down the road offensively. But Jacob is a good defensive player right now. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Dog. Oh, man. Never changed tips. Um, but, like, but yeah, I, I, I just, I, I will say, like, you, somebody asked a question earlier. I think it was Chris Rivera about how would the offense potentially evolve. Like, I really think Hartenstein, you know, we, everybody, we talk about quickly and RJ and Grimes and like, all these like, oh, this guy can improve. Oh, Brunson can even get better, right? Like, Hartenstein can get better. Hartenstein is maybe like, I think he's in a lot of ways the most underrated candidate for that because we didn't optimize what he brings to the table last year, even though it got better as the year went on. And he's at an age where like, 
he absolutely can improve. He's 25 years old for a center. Like he's definitely getting better. He's better than he was two years ago in LA. He was better last year for us than he ever was for the Clippers. I promise you that. Like he was better for us than he was for the Clippers. And forget the 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 shooting. Like I think the way that you can maybe or not maybe, but you can use him to open up the floor is the way they were kind of doing it at the end of the game. And I know that it was against scrubs and it was weird stuff, but like when you put him in that high post, top of the key area, and then you start running cuts off of cuts off of him and cuts off each other, like it it opens up possibilities and he has the the passing range to make those plays. So like I, I think that's really something they need to lean into more. And like you mentioned, Jeff, it would also just do a lot to be like, okay, so maybe not every possession needs to be like a pick and roll for quick or a pick and roll for RJ when that bench unit is in. And yeah, cut them, cut them some slack. Like it, it's okay to use different kind of options to run offense through at times. And so I do hope that's something we see. And it's kind of why I'm, I, I hopefully we'll, we'll get a full deck of uh, a players for a preseason game at some point, but it's also kind of why, why I really am curious to see that bench group with Hartenstein, because if it is going to be, you know, quick Dante, RJ Hart with Hartenstein in theory, the floor should be more spread than it was last year because Obi just did not have the gravity like that. Um, and like, it should make that a more viable option. Even if it's also like, okay, no Hartenstein's going to play off the short roll instead of like just diving to the, to the, to the rim. Like, I just think there's so many options there. So, um, hopefully we'll see it. I'd be excited for it. And, um, you know, we will, uh, we will see what happens from here. And one thing that people don't, I feel like especially Tibbs struggles with this is like, if you have, if you have an offensive rating over hundred possessions of one ten, and let's just say hypothetically that you can perfectly deduce that Hardenstein as a primary hub at the top of the key would only be able to produce like 107 offensive rating. To Tibbs, that would just be it. He would just be like, okay, there's no point. We need to win every possession, and I'm losing three points per 100 possessions by giving it to Hardenstein. We're not going to bother. But doing that can have adverse effects so that the other 90 possessions are actually better. And so giving Hardenstein, you know, 10% of the usage, letting him operate at the top of the key could have – intangible positive effect on the other 90 possessions per 100 possessions that quickly and RJ do run because they're fresher because we've shown the defense multiple looks they're not as prepared for these RJ and quickly possessions and all of a sudden the team's offensive rating in those other 90 possessions could go up and increase so that's another reason that some sometimes it's okay to take a small step back if in the long run your team is taking a couple steps forward and he's so hell bent on doing what he thinks is best in each individual possession that he doesn't really consider that, I don't think. Or it's it seems like he doesn't consider that. Shout out to tips for that deuce RJ OB Mitch Lana. I think it was actually Deuce Hart RJ OB and Hartenstein against Miami in game six. Awesome lineup uh, that blew up an 11 point lead in about fucking a minute and a half. I, uh, and I, then he, le- he left them in after the timeout, by the way, that was probably my favorite part of that. Uh, I really hate to relive <laughs> that game six, man. 
Yeah. Oh my God. I was laughing at the start of this game because uh, I feel like Loki, I could be way wrong, but I feel like Loki, one of the things that pissed you off the most last year was how bad Hardenstein was at defensive rebounding. And when he came in, he was awful on the defensive glass, yeah. like just like the his first part. And I, I was just sitting, I was like, man, Twins probably dying right now. Like, no, we're not going back to this bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, it was noted. It was noted, <laughs> but uh, we're going to hope that was just a weird preseason thing. And maybe he's a slow starter, though. It could be that. Like, some guys just take time to get into a season. So maybe that's part of it. And we uh, have had our fair share of guys take their time to go. Yeah, I mean, quickly, quickly struggled the last couple of years to start the season. RJ struggled the last couple of years to start at the start of the season. So hopefully both those guys are ready to go at the start of this one. Um, Brunson, by the way, we didn't even talk about him, like, he just came in and was like, all right, I can score on them whenever I want. And Tibbs is like, great, seen enough, you can sit down now. Uh, <laughs> but it was good to see him just like kind of pick up where he left off for us and and treat scrubs like scrubs. And yeah, that was great. I think it's good that guys like him and even someone like RJ had that like summer, you know, international experience because it just helped them keep that continuity of like just keep playing constantly and like someone like rj i think that's good for him as well like maybe he can carry that continuity of playing really well into the regular season um so you know that's just something that i'm looking forward to seeing if that carries over um i know tonight wasn't the best shooting night for rj but like overall with like the passing out of drives and um the, the free throw shooting that that's just stuff that really looks encouraging in terms of like carrying over from his his team canada medal experience so yeah i i loved his performance tonight i'll be honest like i i don't know i get so much shit from both sides of the aisle and the rj discourse it's like i don't even know where i stand anymore like i have <laughs> You know, I, you stand you, in the realm of reality. That's yeah, where you yeah stand. I, guess, I guess so. But like the people who hate RJ think I'm way too high on him, and the people who love RJ think I'm way too low on him. So, yeah, I guess, I guess maybe that's a good thing, or maybe it's a really bad thing. It's one of the two. But I thought he played a really good game tonight. I was really encouraged. Um, and that possession that I mentioned earlier, where he got lost on defense, was like the first possession of the game, first or second. And I was definitely just like, oh god please no, not again. Like, and then he really locked in the rest of the way. And it was, it was, uh, it was good. And, you know, I, I mentioned it on Twitter. Um, I just really love the way he and quickly play off each other. Um, and I think that, I think that it helps RJ to play with quickly almost more than anybody else on the team. Like, obviously he's from a usage perspective, he's helped, by Brunson and Randall not being on the court. I don't mean that as a negative Brunson and Randall. It's just somebody has to replace their usage. So, of course, RJ is a nat- natural candidate to do that. But um, even just, like, from a film perspective, you see quickly, like, as a point guard, look to get RJ involved more. You know, they run more pistol. He just – I don't know. The ball finds him more naturally. And I think that helps RJ because he's just someone who spent his entire life consistently getting touches – and you'll see him sometimes kind of the same way Grimes does. You'll see him sometimes kind of disappear um, in the offense with the starters. But like Schwinn pointed out earlier tonight, Randall kind of also made an effort to make sure that didn't happen at least tonight. So we'll, that's something to monitor going forward because, you know, Schwinn talked about it earlier. Like Randall was really good too. And it was from like, it, it, it was because he took an extremely unsel- unselfish perspective in how he played this game tonight. 
So was that just because it was preseason or is he watching the film as he says and trying to evolve? Uh, just something to monitor going forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I thought that was, I just, I agree with you. I mean, it is something to, it was notable anyway. It was like very, it, it was just so noticeable about how like, and it felt, it didn't feel like he was just kind of like going through the motions. Like it felt like he was doing it intentionally. So um, <clears throat> definitely something to keep an eye on. This is from Tag. Can't wait for that first Jericho Sims 3. Um, shot says jump well, shot to me. That Jericho Sims 3 is going to come after um, Tag pulled a LeBron James quote tweet today. So uh, <laughs> we got that before Jericho Sims 3, which is nice to see. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I mean, again, it's preseason. There's really not much take away from it. And like, honestly, the thing that just matters the most is these guys come through healthy and they look physically good and, and, that's we got that so far so um that was my main takeaway from tonight which is not an exciting takeaway but uh i don't know i mean i will say like i mean it's one game whatever but like would be really nice if dudes could just have like a good shooting game that'd be nice to see he did make a nice pull up at the end um and i do like he is a good cutter like he cut he got two layups i think cutting off of hartenstein Mm-hmm. And he's generally been good at that. Like, if you even go back to last year, him and Hartenstein seem to have a good connection with that. But um, I would just like to see him be more, like, aggressive in general offensively. I don't even care if he misses a bunch. But, like, that unit at the end that he was on the floor with, it was like he just kept, like, giving the ball up and, and then, like, swinging, going to the other side and not trying to get it back. And I'm like, dude, you got to – like, this is your – like, he, like, you're in year three. You, you got to take a real – kind of like you've got to be really intentional about this at this point you got to be aggressive about getting what's yours like you know you don't want to be in a position where you're just viewed as this limited guy and maybe that maybe that's what he ultimately is anyway but i would like to see him strive for more and i felt like tonight he kind of just didn't take the opportunity that was presented to him in the fourth quarter yeah dude deuce is this is an interesting player just because again, his impact is just so skewed to defense right now. And I'm not sure we'll ever be able to see what he can be on offense with the Knicks, just both because of the type of offense the Knicks run and how little confidence Tib seems to have in him doing it. Like even when he was in the rotation last season, um, the minutes were really good. The impact was really high Everybody remembers that Blazers game in Portland when the Knicks were finishing that road trip and Deuce was awesome. Um, he had that crazy block, which was like the coolest thing ever. Um, but we, he even when he's playing, he doesn't really like do anything on offense. Like he's just a spacer. Uh, quickly and RJ are still doing everything. And he's his offensive impact is very, very reliant on how well he's shooting. I, I I would assume he and the people close to him think there's more in the tank um, and, you know, more meat on the bone per se that he can, he can get. I just don't know if we'll ever see it in New York. And I mean, obviously now he's, he's not going to start the season with the rotation. Yeah. If only you could have the shooting prowess that Evan Fournier seems to have when we don't really need it from him. Oh my God. The Evan minutes were just... <laughs> That guy, every single time he's on the floor, the defense is like all of a sudden there's three guys that are wide open. It was so Nobody funny. Is, 
I know it's just preseason, but like as soon as he entered the game, it was like twenty-five to like sixteen, and by the end of the first quarter, it's twenty-eight all because Evan Forty is in the game. I know it wasn't all him, but like, man, it's like no, it was it was like all him, man. Like <laughs> I was trying was, to give him the benefit. He of the was doubt. really bad, like on both. Like he wasn't shooting on offense, and he got a couple of shots. He just kind of like, dude, that one possession when he like pump faked the three, and then. Ended up shooting like a fadeaway baseline fifteen footer that went like thirty feet long. Like I, he, like he was bad on offense, and then on defense he just was his usual. Ter- oh my god! I, if Tag is still here, dude, you got to make like one of your cool mixtapes and just be like, hope other front offices don't see this, and then just post only the shots he made. You know, like and just you got to get something like that going because dude, we're never gonna be able to trade him if they if people see his whole tape from tonight. Dude, his defense tonight was like, I'm not even like every single time he had to go around a screen, the defense immediately collapses because he's like, he takes so long to get over it. And then by that time, somebody else is defending his man and he has no idea where he's going to be. He also has this like ridiculous tendency to gamble for no reason. Like he's always trying to get a steal. And I'm like, when is the last time you got a steal? Like, when did that happen? So just stop doing it. It's just, he's, he is a, uh, he's definitely not an NBA player, at least not a, <laughs> A very good one and um yeah uh, at least he he is an expiring contract so we got that going for us not a single fucking front office in the nba is trading for him because they think he's actually good so um even minutes tonight yeah they were they were definitely something and at least you know what at least he was able to like cook on dudes in that fourth quarter when the Celtics put in like the deep scrubs, so at least you got the that. Deep but, scrubs. Yeah, like the real deep scrubs that are just never like they're not even actually gonna play. Like the Isaiah Robies, uh, but they but like Tibbs won't even play Isaiah Roby in a preseason game, by the way, which is maybe the most <laughs> Tibbs thing possible. Like, no, 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 like this this yeah, third we, quarter here, <laughs> this third quarter here is really fucking important to our season. So I need to see uh I need to see what Jericho can do here against. Man, he, he played Jericho a ton. Oh my god! Yeah, Jericho led the team minutes. I'm pretty sure that's insane. <laughs> he was just like trying to get him like warm because, like you know, he had the surgery at the end of last year, so he's like, I gotta get him really warm to start this what, year. Maybe they're trying to like pump his pump up his trade value because he's playing in the most minutes in preseason. Then he had like he singled him out for praise, and I'm like, there's literally nothing that you could tell me that Jericho <laughs> Simpson in training camp that we've never seen him do before. Like, what did he get better at? Drop like, well, there's he, he can shoot now. Like no, he did have a nice uh he did have a nice between the legs dribble. That was cool. He had three assists and no turnovers. Maybe he's like the new Jokic. Jokic. <laughs> he's he's the new Jokic East. Don't give Wally any more material, man. He <laughs> he loves running away with that with um Hartenstein. He he I is just, like he does have like some intriguing ball skills, but the thing is like if you want to explore that, I'm actually that's cool. Let's do that. You can't explore that in these lineups. You cannot explore anything with Jericho Sims in lineups where you're like, wow, it's really cool that you can do like this between the legs dribble and run a dribble handoff. Here, here, you're next to Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, play next to Mitchell Robinson now. Mitch, by the way, looked fucking awesome. Mitch looked really good. He's so good. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I like these oh these offseason center rankings. Like, I'm sorry, fuck those people. Like, what is happening? What 24th? Yusuf Nurkic. 24th behind like two different centers that he just toasted. Like, what? Jared Allen, former All Star <laughs> Jared Allen. The lights were too bright. Jared Allen. What the fuck are we doing here? I don't understand. Like, dude, what is it about the Knicks that just people just lose their minds? It's amazing that for a team that 
literally was one of the eight best teams in basketball last year by basically any measure, like playoff success, net rating, anything that you like value, like they were a top eight team. But apparently like, none of our players are actually good. So that's pretty cool. Except um, for Jalen Brunson. Yeah, except but for Brunson. barely, but barely Brunson good. He's good. barely good. Like, I don't know. I, I also think like there are Knicks fans that have totally lost, like they just completely lost how to evaluate this team too, where it's like, everything is about the playoffs now. So it's like, oh, well, Randall and Quick and Grimes didn't make shots in the playoffs. So like, like they got to really, I'm like, and I kind of, I get like the idea you've got to prove that part of it. Sure. Especially in Randall's case, because he's an older, but I'm like, can we stop acting like the regular, the regular season doesn't matter? Like we don't have prime LeBron James. The regular We're not that type of team us. yet. Like it, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it definitely we, matters for us. Yeah, yeah. We, we have not, uh, made the playoffs in back-to-back years since 2013 so let's let's calm down and um let's let's accept that the playoffs do matter but yeah i thought i thought mitch looked so good man and and like good in the sense of he did exactly what he was supposed to do when you're playing luke fucking cornet you you dominate that matchup and he dominated the matchup and like he i also loved so delano banton had like two takes early in the game and I think some of it was like, he is kind of like a herky jerky player, right? So you're not quite sure. But then he tried to go at Mitch a third time. Mitch just was like, no, I know what you're doing now. And he just swatted it into the front row. Like he he's just, you can tell he's playing with like a little more, I don't want to say, it's a, like more, a little bit more arrogance in the sense of like, he like, I know I'm better than this guy. Like, I know I'm better than him. Um, and he knows what he's good at. And like, you know, obviously he's never going to be Jokic or like do some crazy on the ball dribble stuff. But like he did show a little bit more in that sense. Like he had that one dunk, right, where he caught it almost at a three point line on the roll. And like, I mean, I know it was on the fast break, but still like the fact that he actually did that. I was like, oh, OK, this is good to see. Um, who was it? Was it Mikhail Svee, right? Svee tried to take the three over him. I'm like, all right, man, like, let's let's calm down here. Svee was uh, off for revenge today. Had like eight what, straight points. It's fucking better than Evan. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I thought it was cool that RJ hit Mitch on the short roll. Like that's just yeah. another thing. Is like, if the Knicks are gonna evolve as an offense and have wrinkles, it's the you have thing. to have you have to have counters and shit. Like you have to be. And look, I'm not saying that right away. Mitch is just gonna be the short roll master. Of course not. But he he has shown. People say. Like there are the people, and I know that they should just be ignored, but there are people who are like, what has Mitch improved, improved at in four years? But if you're actually paying attention, he's actually improved a lot on them at the margins. And like one of those areas is kickouts on offensive rebounds. He he made one of the most decisive kickouts I've ever seen him make tonight. But that was just uh I forget who missed the three. I think it was Grimes missed the first three. Right. He got three. Right. Yeah, he, he he missed the first three. Mitch got the rebound and just it kicked it right back out to him. He knew exactly where he was. And Look, if Mitch is wide open 10 feet from the basket and you're getting blitzed, I'm sorry, you just have to throw him the ball. Like, that has to be a part of our offense. Can't, we can't just be afraid of throwing the ball. Otherwise, we're basically playing four on five. I know we're not. I know his offensive rebounds have value. But it will help the team in the long run if he can provide something when he's wide open in those spots. I thought it was really cool that RJ was like, here, like, show you can do stuff. Look, he didn't show he could do anything that play. He blew a layup, but it's something like, I, I do think that's kind of encouraging. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, if you don't think Mitch has improved anything, I don't know what to tell you. Like the guy is, 
I think I forgot who I think it might have been Ariel uh, Pacheco. I think he tweeted something out where he was like, "Everything Mitch is good at, he's elite at," and like that's true. Like he is, he he like his whole his his deficiencies are like very very stark, but the things he's good at, he's elite at. Like he is, he is at worst the second best offensive rebounder in the league after Stephen Adams. Like that's the only other guy that's in the conversation with him. He is one of the best, if not the best, box out guy in the league. He is one of the best rim protectors in the league. Like everything he is good at, he is elite at. And yeah, like you can want, and maybe there's something to be said of like finding somebody who is more well-rounded, even if they don't have the extreme elite attributes that he does. But he, but like there is clearly plus value with this guy. He is very obviously one of the 10 best starting centers in the league. I, I really don't think it's that close at all. And he he also has like he's so much more mature now. And I know like he still does and says and you know puts out goofy stuff on social media, but the way he like plays now is so much more mature. And he's like, I know, you know, I'm sure at some point three months he's gonna put something out on like Snapchat about how all they do is let me like get rebounds and he wants more touches and that'll be like a story and people will be like, Oh, like he doesn't get it. And then I'll be like, well, when does that ever actually manifest on the floor? Like he's, he, he's bought in, you know, like I think he's genuinely bought in. I think he, he understands what he is as a player. And like, if you want an example of what it means to not understand what you are as a player and more importantly, not understand what is your best role of being a player on a championship team, especially for a center? Go look at what the fucking Phoenix Suns traded DeAndre in for this summer. That's what happens. Like DeAndre in is a freak. He has, he literally, when he was willing to play the Mitch role on offense, helped anchor a team that was elite defensively and went to the NBA finals. And then he stopped wanting to do that and wanted to start doing way more shit offensively. And it was like, well, this sucks. Uh, can we like go back to when you were happy being the great elite defensive anchor, having a center who accepts that and wants that. And even when he has his little moments of like bitching about it, that's all they are. They're just moments and they go away. And then it doesn't affect his actual effort, his energy on the floor, the things he does. Um, like, and, and even last year during the playoffs, there was so much shit at like, in the Miami series, like, oh, Mitch is struggling in the Miami series. Mitch is struggling in the Miami series. We literally won his minutes. And, like, I agree he didn't play amazingly well. I just didn't think he was that bad. I really didn't. I, I did not understand that discourse after that series. And to me, it's more like the stuff you're saying, Jeff, where it's like, well, if you don't give him the chance to do things, then people's assumption will be like, well, this is such a huge problem that we can never overcome in some way. And it's worth it for us to at least find out if he can do it rather than assume he can, you know, find out, like, let give the guy a shot. And, um, you know, there's no reason to believe that he absolutely can be, can't create off the short roll a little bit. Right. Or have a wonderful move, you know, any of those things like, him to do the impossible. No, no. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Like, I, I think he's just, I, I'm just so like, if you told me this guy, when we drafted him, this guy would be our starting center six years later and would be what he is like, I wouldn't say I'd be shocked, but you've got to remember like how raw he was coming in, not just physically, 
but skill wise and and mentally like he was he hadn't played the game really in a year right he hadn't played in college he's fr- and, basically fresh out of high school yeah and do you remember watching him at first every like little pump fake he jumped 25 feet in the air to try and block it and it was like he's always in foul trouble to see what he is now and to just see how much more disciplined he is now is so crazy to me and obviously like you know if you took look at first year mitch and you look at what he looks like now i mean he, the the work he's put into like his physical development speaks for itself i know we're not here to talk about it but you brought it up anybody who doesn't know that the reason we lost the heat series is because of the rj hart minutes like i don't know what like they played they shared the court for 35 percent of the series and we lost those minutes by 14 points per 100 possessions that's a hole that you can't climb out of. It's impossible to climb out of that hole. Blaming the series on Mitch, it's just I don't know what you're like. I don't I don't know what, you're, what to do with that. Like, just pay attention better. Those heart RJ minutes were absolutely brutal, and the fact that Tibbs went back to them not only for the second quarter of Game Six, but then again for the entire fourth quarter <laughs> in, in Game Six is just like we're just giving him an out he doesn't deserve to have. That like in and of itself, he he failed the team. And he comes into camp here and he's like, oh, net rating is the most important thing. Where's the <laughs> fucking assistant who's like, dude, here, here is the net rating. We have all this evidence. Don't play these two together. But like, it was locked I don't know how many, uh, I can't go on a tip trans too soon. It's, you know, it's so in, uh, way too soon. <laughs> no, you, know, you, you know, in like any given Sunday at the end where they're like, it's like fourth and whatever. It's like fourth and long. And he's like, he's like, what are you doing? We can't run the ball here. And he's like, no, that's what coaching is. They run like a fucking triple option. Obviously, it works, right? Because it's a movie. But it's like, like why? Why would you ever call that there? That's fucking insane. <laughs> um, but that, that's what that kind of reminds me of. Uh, this is a good question. Uh, it, Mitch is Mitch a top ten non rookie contract? And then he added starting player contract. It might be. It, honestly, it might be. Like I, I don't know off the top of my well, head, that's, but that's tough because like stars. Are if so you much- don't count, if you don't count like the auto mat, like auto max guys. Right. So if you like eliminate stars, which I think is like fair to do. Like best value he, contract of yeah, like role might, players. Yeah, he might be. I mean, if you're saying, if, especially if you're saying like non max contracts, he might be. I mean, I, I again, if he, to me, he's a better player than Jared Allen. And I don't even think Jared Allen's overpaid or anything. I just think he's like a, like Mitch is a better player than him, and he's on a better contract. So, I it's it's definitely within the conversation. I mean, I know he's I know he's no Devin Vassell, um, but you know I, I think Mitch is pretty good. So we'll see. Um, I don't like I like Vassell, and I I actually really like watching his film just because he's like a. It's gonna sound weird to say, but he's like an aesthetically pleasing player. But I don't get why people are so high on his current impact like it's all theoretical right now he hasn't he's like a smooth player who's shown flashes but he's been bad defensively which was supposed to be his calling card coming out of college and i just don't know what he's supposed to be i don't know we'll see we'll see. i'm like victor is going to be immediately good and impactful so let's see what vassell does with somebody like that because obviously there's only so much vassell can do when like the team's bad and your second best player is kelvin johnson who legitimately sucks like uh <laughs> but, but Kel- Keldon to me is another guy where it's like to me if your argument for like Vassell or Keldon is just like they're they've been in a shit show situation and you know I can fix them type of thing because we're gonna play them with better players and they'll know like 
if that's your argument for it, like I'm fine with that argument. I think it's like a decent bet to make on younger players. But don't tell me like the stuff like, oh, he's a third star. What does that mean? He's a third star and a contender? Like what? Like what is this based on? Because he put a bunch of points for the fucking worst team in the, in basketball last year? Like what is that? Like Alonzo sure put up a lot of points for us. I don't remember anybody saying he's the third best player in a fucking contender. Um Knicks fans who apparently think he could be, so I don't know. <laughs> like oh my god. There's also that weird guy on Twitter that like loves him. Like I don't even want to bring that up. <laughs> I will uh, say I will say like I don't believe the conspiracy theories, but I always every single time Chur comes up, I always expect to pull up like his basketball reference and like look at his stats and be like just laugh, you know, like and be like, yeah, he's supposed to be out of the league. And I'm always surprised looking at his numbers and being like, wait a second, like, okay, like, like not, oh, he was blackballed, but just like, why, what, what happened I, here? He know? was just a prick. Like, so, so if go look at his college numbers, go look at his college numbers. If you look at his college numbers, I remember we, when we signed him after the draft, I was like, hmm, like, let me, I looked at his college numbers. And I was like, oh my God, Scott Perry might be a fucking genius. Like, holy shit, <laughs> we got one. And, I remember at the start of the season, you're like, holy shit, this kid like really can score the ball. But then as the season go on, you're like, well, do oh, you this like, kid's ever... really an asshole. Yeah. Like, do you ever <laughs> pass it to anybody? Like, do you ever just like, are you ever like happy for your teammates? The like, funniest thing is when he like, like threw a tantrum. Oh, but Hardaway, that? right? Yes, he threw a tantrum on the court because Hardaway no, and didn't then he pass went, the He rock. DM'd somebody and, and blamed Hardaway for like fucking up the pick and roll coverage or something at the end of a game. Mm-hmm. And they and then they Tim asked Hardaway Hardaway, hated him. Yeah. Tim Hardaway <laughs> wanted to murder this kid. They asked Hardaway about it the next day of practice. And he was like, I don't I he's like, what? <laughs> like, like, what happened? Uh this is yeah, this is from Vivek. Uh Mitch probably in top in Tibbs top three development success stories. It's up there. I mean, I, I won't I don't I feel, always felt like he was trending the right way on especially under Miller. I thought Miller did a good job with him too. Mm-hmm. Um but like, I mean, to see where he's at now, Tibbs definitely deserves a high level credit for that. And and to his credit, Tibbs has like consistently been his biggest believer, you know, in a lot of ways. Like he's always made it very obvious that he like values what Mitch does. Um, which like of course Tibbs values the uh limited rim protector that <laughs> will buy into his I this is exactly what I want you to do. Fine, great, perfect. Um but yeah, I mean, this is also true. This is kind of what I was getting at, Baby Yoda Waffles. Mitch didn't know how to play basketball in year what one. He's come a long way. Yeah, that is a great name. Um, but yeah, it's true. Like, he did not... It just didn't... He he was so, like, all over the place as a rookie. You could see the kind of flashes, right? You're like, well, this guy ever figures out how to play basketball. It's going to be something. But he really has. I mean, he's been... The last couple... I mean, last year he was awesome. The playoffs, he was incredible i thought it's at least against cleveland and then just seeing like i mean obviously again this doesn't mean that much but just seeing him today i'm like wow this like really is impressive and and honestly like you just kind of look up and down this roster and you just feel like a lot of these guys have you know for the longest time the knicks have like just not been a place that guys go to and improve their careers and develop be it rookies journeymen whatever and i feel like genuinely guys have gotten better here guys have benefited from being here uh, even a guy like Alec Burks that we traded away, I mean, forget like how he was used as point guard, but like he probably played some of his best basketball in his career in New York, you know? Um, sure. 
Derek Rose obviously had a great year, but like you look at Mitch, you look at how RJ's developed quickly, Grimes now. Um, but like, you know, even Julius Randle, like Julius Randle was a guy we were all like, fuck this dude, let's trade it now. <laughs> then he made all NBA. And then after and then we were like, this dude, let's yeah, trade this guy this again. <laughs> trade him again. And then we made all NBA again. And this year, hopefully, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully, it's not three feet. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, on three feet here. But like, it's just cool to see that. And even like Hartenstein, I think Hartenstein's a better player now than he was prior, even if he's not doing as much as he did in LA. So I just think it's really cool to actually like be an organization that does that instead of being an organization that's like, well, we we cleared our contract, we cleared our cap, and now we have 80 million in cap space to sign a bunch of dudes that we hope can save us. Like <laughs> I, I much prefer this version of Knicks basketball than uh, the hopes and dreams and we'll sell them on New York and the allure of Madison square garden. Um, that it, it seems like much better than that. It is like a weird kind of give and take though. Like quick, like Tibbs might be the best coach in the league when it comes to guaranteeing like you you can he'll raise your floor as a young player but i'm not sure i i don't know i don't have to say this that's anything too negative but i i'm not sure he gets like he maximizes uh young players i don't think there's really any evidence of that and i do think that like unless you have a the guy like and and maybe the knicks will get him you do need to take some swings and I don't think the Knicks have really taken swings. Like I think, you know, clearly me and you Schwinn think quickly was worth a swing, you know, like that he could have been more than this sort of role that's been etched out for him right now. And he's making the most of this role and he's been very good at it, but there is a world where he's, you know, talked about differently and more impactful. And all of a sudden we're, you know, and, and you know, you can say the same about RJ, you can say the same about plenty of guys. And, so I'm just saying that like it kind of I agree with you that this is much preferable to the to the bullshit that we dealt with for 15 years. But I do think that like there ha- if the Knicks want to win a championship, I do think there has to be more. Yeah, and I mean like to that extent <clears throat> I I guess what I would say is like I feel like I've I know, you know, we can say it quickly and RJ haven't been given like the the keys, right? We could say that. At the same time, what I would just based on like what I how I evaluate them and anyway, I will always believe that like not starting quickly, especially that second season, was incredibly stupid and like it it was just dumb for so many reasons that we don't need to revisit. Um, in particular, just because like you had a there was no reason not to find out what he could do as a starting point guard at that like at various points in that season. But anyway, um I feel like I feel comfortable enough saying that I don't feel like we have somebody in the roster right now where I'm like, if we had swung on him, like if we had given him the keys, right? Like maybe he'd be uh, the guy, right? Maybe he'd be the guy. I don't think quickly or RJ are like that, but I don't think that takes away from your point where it's like, without the guy and i mean this is stupid because it's like everybody needs the guy right like everybody everybody that ever wins a championship has a, the guy other than like 
weirdo one-off seasons of like the Pistons in 2004 and the Spurs in 2014 and whatever. Like those are just unique situations. But I do feel like you're not, you don't, you're never going to see the full extent of what quickly or RJ or Grimes or what these guys could do because to Tibbs, he's like, well, that will cost us wins. That will cost us success right now. And the long-term benefit from that isn't worth it. Maybe that's, maybe he's right, but maybe we would also know more about these players and potentially maybe like this current team could be a little better. And maybe uh, these guys would have more trade value whenever you do need to trade them for uh, to get the guy. So we'll see. Like, I, I don't, I, I, I mean, I definitely don't take like, I, I don't disagree with your point that much at all. I just, I do, I do feel like we should probably be a little bit more appreciative of a guy that can just come in and be like, no, no, I can make this make sense. Like, we, I will make this make sense, and you may not love it, but we will win some games, and we'll be better for it. Like, I'll take that right now. And if that makes me, you know, I, I like, I know this is the new thing where it's like, oh, you're just, you love being, you love mediocre, mediocrity, and uh, we're stuck in the middle, and this is hopeless, and all that stuff you want to like you're a, you're a you're a company man yeah but the, the, the one that i just don't understand the mediocrity thing i'm like do you know what mediocrity means are you are we sure that we know what mediocrity means like you can't make the second round people of the confuse but, stability with mediocrity well it's also just like what it, it's we're it's okay for us at this point in time of this team to be okay with what they are right now. I'm not saying they're a championship team. I'm not even saying that this version of the team without making a significant move has a championship upside necessarily. But like, I don't, you can't force that move either. Like what if the Knicks, Oh, Leon's got to be aggressive and show he's brave and make a deal happen. Like what the fuck does that mean? So if Leon like was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm training for DeJounte Murray. So I should be happy that he did that because I'd be brave. And like that would I, I like I don't understand what any of this is it to me, isn't it braver to like be like, actually I'm not gonna do these deals. I'm not gonna do these deals and we're gonna see what this group does because I think this group is better than what consensus thinks it is. I feel like that requires more bravery than why uh, didn't we trade for Drew Holiday? Oh my yeah, goodness. But people did this too when we traded Porzingis, right? I remember people were being like Oh well, of course the Knicks did this. Like, you know, this is the classic thing to do. They're just trying to win the PR game, and I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? If they wanted to win the PR, wouldn't they have just kept Porzingis and signed him? And like, that'd have been the slam dunk PR move for them. Like, no risk, nothing. Like, take a chance. I mean, at some point you'll have to take a chance. I agree with that. Leon will have to take a chance until there's some chance that they pass up. That I'm like, man, that would have been the one. That happens. I'm not going to kill them for. I'm sorry. I don't care that didn't Trevor Don. No, the chance is not yeah. Joel Embiid either. For those yeah. wondering, so I don't think it is. But that's also one where I'm like, I kind of think you probably have to do that. You're going to talk okay. yourself into it. Well, you're gonna. You if <laughs> the thing is, I just don't know how you. I understand Dolan's. You know, he's not involved anymore. But like, that's one of those where if like you have the opportunity to get him, and Dolan. And like you were like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then Dolan finds out you didn't do it. 
you might be under a little bit of pressure there. I just think it's one of those tough ones with ownership if if it if it gets to that point. But hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Hopefully we win a championship this year and I never have to hear about Joel Embiid again. That'd be awesome. I'd love that. If you're gonna win a championship with Brunson, I feel like Embiid's one of the guys you have to swing for. I don't know. I feel I feel much differently than most Knicks fans. I think like when you always bring it up, and I feel like this point should be implied. Like you're always like, well, it depends what you trade for him. Of course. Like I'm not saying like empty the clip and have nothing left over. I'm right, but but there are people that don't like they actually view it like that, where it's like, no, no, no. like like I I remember listening to uh I think it was I forgot who it was on the KFS pod this summer. It was they had a guest on. And he's like, Well, isn't this this is what you've and be like this is the guy you saved up all this ammo for. You of course you give up everything. And I'm like I don't think that's how that works. Like that, that's not how this works. You you don't just give up everything. If you have a full debt, like if you're the Cavs last year for Donovan Mitchell, sure. Maybe you do that. Maybe you don't do it by the way. Um, but <laughs> I don't, yeah. but I, I don't think the Knicks would like, I, I for, or yeah. excuse me, I don't think the Knicks would have to, and I don't think they would. Um, and I think that, I think that if we can move past that, like, and, and we can both agree that if the Knicks were to trade everything, and by everything I mean like quickly Grimes, RJ, all their picks, and they're literally just left over with Embiid, Randall, Brunson, and they're capped out, and you know they've got you know some nice bench pieces, Hart and Divincenzo. That's it. They're just basically what the Sixers are now. I think if we move past that and just be like, okay, like if the Knicks can make a trade that's you know considered pretty reasonable or maybe slightly beyond reasonable. I believe that they have to do that because I think that Brunson is an incredibly unique player in the sense of it is hard for him to maximize his impact next to another really good player. He's not Steph Curry. He's not, you know, that's not how he works. Um, And I think that Embiid and Giannis are two of the, rare players in the league that will allow Brunson to be his best self while they can be their MVP selves. And I, I don't think people are giving enough credence to that. I think, I think that's, I think that's really important and that's what it's going to take for the Knicks to get to the last, to the, to the top of the league. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that. And it's also why, like, I think, if it was up to me, would I do it? Probably not. But like in the real world of what you have to do when you're an NBA executive, like it's a lot easier to say, don't trade for Joel Embiid for us. But when you're in that position, I think it's a lot harder to say that it's a lot harder to, to not just turn it down. But I think again, like there's like ownership pressures involved. I just, there's so much more at play there than, well, the basket, like this is just too much. This asset, that whatever. I, I think you'd get it done, or they would get it done. Um, now, I mean, look, there's no guarantee he asks out. There's also no guarantee that no one there's like OKC, maybe may, OKC, they have a full deck, right? Who's to say they wouldn't just be like, nope, Joel Embiid's the guy. That's the one we're gonna go for. And the other part to to your, you know, to what you mentioned about like you don't think it would cost that much. Look at some of these star trades we're seeing this past summer, right? Like. I mean, I know the Dame and, and Drew things are a little bit different because they're older, but even then, like, Dame went for a pick in 2029, 20, swaps in 28 and 30, and Drew. And, like, Drew himself went for a top four protected Warriors pick this year. 
an unprotected Celtics pick in 2029, Robert Williams and uh, Malcolm, Brog- Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, the the great sixth man of the year, the most deserving sixth man or whatever. Malcolm Brogdon. Everyone was dying to get this yeah. offseason. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I think Rob, yeah, right, yeah, and has no injury concerns. Uh, and Robert Williams is like really good, but he's also always hurt. So I'm not saying it's nothing. I'm not saying the Celtics gave up nothing to get Drew Holiday. I actually think they gave up quite a bit. But you compare that to some of the stuff we've been seeing the past few years. Like, I do think that market is coming back a little bit, especially as this new CBA comes in and teams are like, wait. So if we're over the second apron for X amount of time, then our pick how many years out gets frozen and we can't do what trades. And like these restrictions are fucking real. And I think they're going to adjust and alter what these star superstar packages look like because your picks are just a lot more valuable now than they were under the old CBA. And even then, like as me and Jeff talked about like 7 billion times, like even then, I always hated the whole like trade all the picks thing. I was just like, I I don't get yeah, this. Yeah, the Rudy Gobert like, trade was insane. But it's been since like the it's like so weird to me that the Nets trade for KG and Paul Pierce worked out so poorly. And if you remember after that, it was like, oh man, like this trade just you can't do these trades; they're killers. And then the next chance the Nets had to do it, they're like, all right, got to do it. <laughs> and everybody was like, and everybody's like, no, no, you have to do it. They're right, you got to do it. And I'm like. You don't have to do this. Like nobody is forcing you to trade your whole fucking future for James Harden. Nobody's telling you to do this. Um, but hey, uh, sort of happens. But like, yeah, you're right. It's not just them, right? Rudy Gobert, the Durant trade for Phoenix this past year. There's been a ton of these in the in the recent past. So like, it is interesting to see how that dynamic changes and then how that would come into play if Joel Embiid were to come on the market, especially dealing with Daryl fucking Morey. Oh boy, yeah. He's not the most fun person to deal with in any type of circumstance, it seems. And according to James Harden, he's not the best GM to deal with as a player as well. So, <laughs> Also to, to play devil's advocate with myself, if you, um, if you push the chips in for Embiid, there is an opportunity cost loss at you're, you're saying we'll never get Giannis. You're removing every outcome where Giannis becomes available, which you have to account for because look, the Bucks are looking like they're in a really good position, but Dame's old and they lack Middleton's old and they lack depth. Like there is a world where Giannis becomes available in 2025 and locking in Embiid in 2024 takes you out of that conversation. And Embiid's a better, or Giannis is a better player. Yeah. I, I do think the Giannis, thing, I, I do think the Giannis thing where people are just assuming it's like, well, that's it. He's a Bucks for his life. Like I, I think the odds are definitely better now for sure. Now that he has a point guard who won't like shoot like fucking, you know, rookie RJ in the playoffs or something, uh, that'll be good for him. But yeah, no, I mean, I think the odds are better now, but I mean, how many times do we see this stuff, right? It's like nothing is guaranteed, especially not um, in a league with kind of like this much craziness that goes on. So yeah, I mean, Giannis, look, who's to say they, all it takes is like an injury, right? That's we've seen this so many times. It takes one injury, two injuries, and all of a sudden everything looks different. So um, we'll see. But uh, yeah, good, good Knicks preseason opener, and uh, excited to do it again tomorrow. Hopefully, none. I re- actually hope none of our nine players, our nine rotation players, play. That'd be awesome. Randall, uh, the new B reporter already said that Randall's not going to play. Great, so fantastic. We get, more, we get more Jericho Sons of power forward. 
Yes. Pumped. <laughs> well, Hart, Hart, should, Hart will play tomorrow. And, Definitely. Uh, and yeah. our boy, the big one is Archie, right? Archie Diakno will be acting tomorrow, so that's huge for us. Wait, we play tomorrow? Yeah. yeah that's the rules. How excited are you to do this again tomorrow, Sam? Um... I guess very excited. I had no idea that the, I had no idea that the Knicks were playing again tomorrow, but apparently we are. Um, that was a really long stall. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah. Wait, I'm just thinking about are, are you sh- are we the scoreboard doesn't have them playing. I'm almost positive playing tomorrow, or is it the day after? No, I oh, saw I Saturday. saw he said we don't play till Saturday. Knicks tape said it here in the comment. Why did the guy say that Whew. just thinking about work? Why did why work. did he say the back to back? Do we have a back to back this weekend? Who's um, the what's the what's the new beat reporter's name? It's like Christian something. Christian Winfield. That guy yeah, is check, washed, check so. one of his check one of his most recent tweets. He tweeted maybe. There we go. Oh, yeah. on ten seventeen and oh, ten. Oh okay. Oh okay. okay. Yeah. See, I saw I saw Boston. Okay. Whoops. Oh, I was... Why did he tweet it like this, though? Julius Randle is adamant he will not play in one leg of the Knicks' upcoming preseason back-to-back. Just say he's not going to do it. Like, what the fuck kind of wording is this? Yeah. I will and say, as, as much shit as uh, I've given him over the years, he's already been, like, pretty active here and in providing information that several other yeah. people have not been. So NFT man. <laughs> NFT man coming in clutch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. All right. I think with that, thankfully we don't play tomorrow. I was thinking about work and like, you know, I like to take my after work naps, but don't have to worry about that. Um, I think this is a great place for us to end things off. Some great discussion. Um, we will see you guys back here on apparently Saturday where they played the Timberwolves. Um, make sure you guys check out all the links in the description. We got links to the um site. Make sure you are following us on Twitter. Yes, I am still calling it Twitter. I will never call it that other name that it is being known as right now. Um, We can also find links to the merch. We got all that good merch that um, Jeff and Schwinn are rocking right now. So definitely check that out. And we also got links to the Patreon Yes, the Patreon. Make sure you guys sign up for that if you want access to the Strickland Discord. Um, And yeah, I think we're out of here. So everyone have a good night and enjoy the rest of your week. Um, Enjoy this Knicks preseason win. Yeah, thanks everybody that was in here tonight also. Yeah, thank you. Later, guys. Peace. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.